Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the second double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, the first thing I read when I open up my X and or Twitter account, the social media platform uh, formerly known as Twitter, bring back Crap Thorpe. <laughs> the Colts, as it stands right now, are down to three wide receivers. Clearly, I say this kind of half in jest, at least a quarter in jest. I mean, clearly, they're going to do something else here. What exactly are we thinking about? And as I said to the guys here during our crossover, as I talked about everything that's going on here, and it, it it seems like it seems like Tank City. Now he's getting paid a lot of money. You kind of wonder what you know, a guy like DeForest Buckner feels about this. Now you could have traded him someplace in the off season, got something in return. Then selected somebody in the fifth round and cut him loose, and then watching get picked up by the team that just won the Super Bowl, a typical fashion. Yeah, like Darius Rush. But it kind of makes you wonder. First, it looks like a complete tank job. But beyond that, like all this other stuff, and it's it's funny to make fun of because that's really all you have. But you cannot tell me that this in any way, shape, or form helps what is truly important. All right, so we're looking at this, and winning clearly is not of importance this year. Yeah, they're going to say all the right things, like Chris Ballard will meet with the media today at about 4.15. We're going to carry that, right? Well, I got to hear that. We got to all hear that. That said... This season, if it's not about winning, I think everybody was certainly, if not there, but on the verge of understanding that the true meaning and you know making sure that your your quarterback is good to go and is growing, growing for the good, maturing. And I just don't see across the board with the support that he has. Anybody else see that happening? 
nothing against some of these guys like like Michael Pittman Jr. has you know proven himself you know, to a degree. Alec Pierce has. I'm just talking about the wide receivers right here. And Josh Downs hasn't done anything yet. And then I saw Joel A. Erickson bring up where maybe you end up seeing Jelani Woods with his hamstring injury. And I'm sure that question is going to be brought up today, too. Um, Maybe going to the injured reserve designated to return, I believe, is what Joel had mentioned earlier today. I just don't see how these moves and this team benefits what matters most. And I would have said that had the draft selection been C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I just don't see where it benefits the quarterback. And again, that's what matters most here. Is this a, you know, we talked about this yesterday with with Stephen Holder. and I'm in firm belief that this is a major shift and a major change in philosophy. And, you know, who wouldn't after six years and a complete lack of success in all but one? Now, who wouldn't change in that philosophy? Actually, you could put two in there if you want to get an early out into the postseason with Phillip Rivers in that one year against Buffalo. So we'll give him two. Yeah, at least one because that's the lone postseason win and that was still with Andrew Luck. But who wouldn't change philosophies if it wasn't working? And clearly Chris Ballard's philosophy had not been working. So now you're moving forward. Uh, With that in mind, you don't put a similar value on a running back that certainly you once did when you traded up to get him in the draft, moved up in the second round to get him. So maybe that's the case. I just don't see how this helps the growth of the quarterback. And again, that's most important. I mean, you got a quarterback and a rookie deal. Can you not? You got the money. Why would you not want to surround him with pieces that could expedite this process altogether? Why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to know this plan or this new blueprint? Is this more Ballard? Is this more Shane Steichen? I'm going to have to be proven otherwise. And you can say, well, you don't know anything. You haven't been in football. Okay, well, neither have you. So get honest with me for a moment. I mean, even if you're rose-colored glasses and you get on here and tell me that you're sick and tired of hearing me bag on the team and all I am is doom and gloom. The major focus is making sure that you do the best to support the rookie quarterback. You tell me if you feel they're doing that right now. Because, again, that's the only thing that matters. Clearly, anything, winning anything this season doesn't. That's the only thing that does. So, to this point, are they doing that right? I hate using this word, optics. Like, I don't... (laughs) It's funny. They're not going to go into the season with three wide receivers, but they were the ones that brought all these guys in. Chris was the one that brought all these guys in. 
And now you don't have anybody. There's no other thought out there to get. You know, maybe there's some bigger picture maneuver that's on the verge of happening. But with what we have seen to this point, you tell me what that might be. JMV, I just got under four and a half wins at plus 350. Colts and Cardinals are going to tie for the worst team this year. You know, and if that's the case, maybe that's exactly what they're going for. Because the Cardinals are going for Caleb Williams. You going for in the two-hole Marvin Harrison Jr.? That would be a complete change in philosophy. Can you imagine a Chris Ballard-led team doing all that he can to make sure that the Colts are in a position to draft a wide receiver, number two overall? How shocking would that be? That would be a change in philosophy right there. And I'm telling you, what big picture, that sounds perfect. But again, I have to ask you, when's the last time, when is the last time anything has been perfect around here? When's the last time anything has been good around here? You know, you can go back. You've got to go back 10 years for anything that has a consistent level of good fortune happening. But if that's what matters most, and that is support of your quarterback, why aren't you doing the most that you can right now to do it? Or is this it? We certainly can't feel that this is it. This is not the most that they can do. And that's what we ask with Jonathan Taylor. And I think now it is absolutely fair to ask. That's what we're looking at regarding this roster. Yeah, I saw some of the news a little bit earlier to the reports. I think it was Barry Jackson down in Miami who's been on the Miami side of things regarding the reported interest the Dolphins have had. Chris Greer, the general manager, said earlier today that there were no offers. Of course, there are supposedly offers going everywhere. But you know what? That makes sense to me. And I don't even know the end result. I don't really understand what they're trying to do right now regarding Jonathan Taylor. Because at some point, he's either going to have to play for you or he's going to have to be traded. Are they expecting the market to be better come October the 31st, come Halloween at the trade deadline? Is that when it's supposed to be better? Because clearly, and I've said this all along, two things that I have said, and a lot of people haven't been on board with it, and I understand that completely. But two things that I have said, one is you tag a price tag in this case as a number one, a first rounder in any trades that you're looking at regarding Jonathan Taylor. When you do that, you frankly don't want to trade him because you know damn well you're not going to get that in return. So you just put that out there. You know nobody is going to reach that. Nobody. And the way that it sounds that nobody came close to looking at that. And the other thing is regarding Jonathan Taylor, and I've said this, and believe me, it's not the most comfortable thing to be a part of. 
because you know, these guys are supposed to be the tough of the tough, the athletic of the athletic. But I have thought all along that, again, if Jonathan Taylor got a new deal that he wanted, money that he was deeming acceptable, that he would play tomorrow. And I still feel that way. And now, everybody, I saw Mike Chappell had an article that he ran last night on CBS 4 and Fox 59 where he had written in there, according to a source, the Colts believe that Jonathan Taylor is staging a hold-in. Well, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, what's the end result of this this particular pissing match here? I mean, what are we trying to get out of it? We know what Jonathan Taylor wants out of it. He wants more money. You know, some reports suggest that he wants a lot more money, more than Josh Jacobs. Others suggest that there's really not, monetarily speaking, a number out there. And we know this, that the Colts have been unwilling to negotiate anything because as they stood in the beginning of this process, they want to see him play out the final year of his contract to deem him worthy. But what is the play now here? Why should all of this makes sense. You know, and this tweet or X brings up a point. How much of this does revolve around Shane Steichen? You think Shane Steichen believes? I would guess so, right? I mean, these coaches, these players, I mean, we think at this point, right? We think at this point, you go into what you do and and you do it with a little bit of swagger and bravado. You feel comfortable in what you do, in whatever your chosen field, your walk of life might be. You feel comfortable. You know, you know what you're doing. And then you multiply that times 100 when you get to this level NFL-wise, and especially at head coach. I mean, you believe whatever plan that you have is going to take shape, and it's absolutely going to work. Is this all about Shane Steichen? Is this how he wants his roster to look? Is he absolutely okay in year number one of Anthony Richardson without Jonathan Taylor? Does he deem Jonathan Taylor unnecessary for his quarterback? Because I was just said this, I think you need to be patient and let Shane evaluate everything this year and put his stamp on the team. Well, I mean, I guess. I guess. And that's how these guys feel. That's how these guys think. But again, it's it's one thing. You put a stamp on a team, and that's fine. Put your stamp on the damn team. I mean, really, around here, offensively, that's going to be enough of a stamp. But in the process, guys to help. What's wrong with spending a little bit of money in support? Is there something wrong with that? Why would there be something wrong with that? Why have they decided not to do it that way? JMV Strawn, Winfrey, and Amari Rogers are all in the practice squad. It's possible the Colts bring McKenzie back. Looks like it's the backup plan at wide receiver. You know, if it's the backup plan, why do you go through all this business to just get back where you were? And Darius Rush was weird. He was a fifth-round pick, and he really hadn't done much in camp to speak of. Great conversation, by the way. 
really hadn't done much, but he was a fifth rounder. And the moment that he gets placed on waivers, he gets gobbled up by the defending Super Bowl champions. Just kind of wonder, all right, you value all these picks the way that you do, and you just basically said, all right, go ahead and take this dude. And it's not like a crap water team picked him up. I mean, a really good team picked him up. I this just other than other than tanking and completely starting new. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. And it makes sense to me with this team, much like it makes sense to me that Jonathan Taylor could play tomorrow if he was satisfied with the type of deal and extension he's getting. Because what what looks like a hold in, I think in a lot of cases probably is a hold in. And I do also agree that Shane Steichen probably believes that he can yeah, he can get away with this particular group and get something done. Uh, those are all valid questions, and I would assume, and we're going to carry the Chris Ballard presser, correct? James, what time? 4.15 or so? Is that what they say? I believe it is scheduled for 4.15. Right, 4.15. I have not seen the Colts post anything about streaming it yet, so I'm keeping an eye on that, but if they are streaming it, we will carry it. All right. And if they're not, we're just screwed. Is that it? Pretty much. Can you call over there to ask if they're streaming it? Have you asked? Uh, I can. I can text somebody. Yeah, text somebody over there and make sure, because I want to jack with this up until four fifteen, and then go. Oh, look, nobody's streaming this. We're blank out of luck. I don't want to do it that way. Thank you, James. Uh, Robert Mays will join us in the four o'clock hour as well. Both he and Zach Kiefer are going to have a weekly show on the athletic. Robert's really good at football. We'll talk uh, to Robert about this and a lot more going on around the NFL coming up in the four o'clock hour. Bowen's going to join me coming up at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, your practice squad is Liam Anderson, Henry Black, Marcel Dabo, Jake Funk, Ronnie Harrison, Jason Huntley, DJ Montgomery, Al Kadeen Muhammad. Mari Rogers on there too. Dan Skipper. The tackles on there. Mike Strawn is back. Jawan Winfrey is another guy we had talked about, a wide receiver. He is also back among a handful of others. So I would agree with Jim. I mean, it does kind of look like, well, these are some of the guys they're going to keep anyway. What else were they trying here? You know, why do they have to go about it in in that particular fashion? Is the big question. Yeah, I think I think tanking and rebuilding is kind of the same thing. I mean, what are you, what are you building on here? There's what you, just your quarterback, and I'm all for building on it, but I'm also for supporting him. And I'm sorry, this doesn't get it done. And I feel confident until proven otherwise that this doesn't get it done. And no doubt it was a mess a year ago. They won four games, and the circus was more entertaining than the football on the field. What's so funny about last year, though, when you put it in that context, they should have at least won five more. Think about that. I mean, you could honestly say should have won five more. I know should have, could have, would. I'm just saying this uh, in terms of it was a horrible season, but my God. They were, they were always close to closing out games and normally just screwed themselves. It gets good teams. You know, Dallas and Dallas, the Minnesota game, Washington here, Philadelphia here. 
Funny how things work. You guys think tanking is the same as rebuilding? Or do you just say rebuilding to save yourself from embarrassment of referencing your favorite team as tanking? What do you think they're saying right now in Arizona? Are they rebuilding or are they tanking? This more of a Ballard new philosophy? Moving forward here, or is this more, again, the stamp of approval of Shane Steichen? Where are we with this? Three wide receivers presently. It looks like that Isaiah McKenzie may end up coming back. Uh, That would make four. And then they have uh, a number of wide receivers on the practice squad right now. So basically what you do is, okay, we're going to put these guys out there. I guess see what else you can get. Did they whiff on somebody? Uh, Three guys, by the way. They picked up off the waiver wire a couple of offensive linemen and a linebacker. Yeah, Brian Harris says rebuilding is a professional way to tank. (laughs) Thank you. It's all really the same crap. I completely agree with it. Jess, you don't want to go out there. I mean, you don't want to spend the price of admission and buy gear and buy into it uh, if you think that your team is tanking. I will admit to this, though. I do get tired of hearing that. I get I got really tired of hearing tanking and blow it up in terms of the Pacers. And I will also say this. In terms of what I have said, and like what the Pacers did a year ago, lower the expectations, over-deliver. Guess there's no better way of doing that then chart the path in which they're presently on, right? All right, we can talk about that at 239-1070 if you so desire. We certainly will do that. Kevin Bowen of The Morning Show. That new morning show is, along with Andy Sweeney, the morning wake-up call with Kevin and Andy. Things are going rather well reportedly for the fellows. We'll talk to Kevin coming up at the bottom of the hour. Robert Mays of The Athletic is going to be here. Any word? I have confirmed with Casey Vallier they are streaming it. Casey Vallier's a stud. Casey Vallier's a stud. Even if we did pronounce his name Vallier because I'm from Southern Indiana. Casey Vallier is a stud. So whenever Ballard talks... Whenever Ballard talks, we're going to have it for you right here. We may have to cut into the whole Robert Mays thing here. Make sure he's aware of that, too. Uh, JMV Ballard is always the smartest guy in the room. He's obviously proven that over the first six years here. <laughs> yes, he has been. Indeed. All right, quick break and we'll come back. I'll work your calls in as well. Kevin Boyd on the other side. Robert May still to come. Got a great weekend planned and we're going to do it all together. I know it sounds really weird, but we're going to do it all together. A great weekend planned. I'll explain that. Final Backyard Bourbon broadcast is coming up on Friday. That is going to be the springboard to what I have affectionately referenced as our Labor Day weekend bender. That and more coming up. And maybe by the time we get back, They'll have more than three wide receivers officially on their roster. Stream the app HD Radio inside the lounge via YouTube Live. A lot of info forthcoming right here. Don't move. 93.5107. Five the fan.
The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, I love this when Colin sent this to me. When Joel A. Erickson tweeted or X'd, the Colts are now currently down to three rostered wide receivers. He responded with, that will make JMV's head actually explode scanner style. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Robert Mays in the four o'clock hour. Uh, we will uh, take you to the Chris Ballard presser whenever that happens as well, because holy hell, do I have to hear that? Not only do I have to hear that, I think we all have to hear that. And he'll be present and accounted for from the morning show, the wake up call with Kevin and Andy. Kevin Bowen joins us. You know, how bizarre. We normally would say, boy, this is so bizarre, but let's just face it. This is kind of stuff that's been right up the Colts alley for the better part of the past 10 years. So it's not really bizarre, right? You just kind of wait for stuff like this to happen now. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, sadly, that's really, really true. Um, I went on serious a little bit earlier today and they're asking me about, oh, have you watched Hard Knocks with the Jets? I'm like, no, I just feel like I live Hard Knocks with the Colts. And I feel yeah. like I've lived it now for the last, really ever since they went on Hard Knocks, I guess, and closed out that, that wild season there by losing the last two games with Carson Wentz. And ever since then, it's been drama-filled like none other. And, uh, yeah, it's I, I, <laughs> I don't see it stopping anytime soon because it's not like it stopped anytime recently. All right. got to figure out a couple of plans, a, a couple of charted paths here from the Colts organization led by Chris Ballard and cer- certainly with first-year head coach Shane Steichen having some input. Uh, wh- what is the plan here? Going down to three wide receivers, suggesting that, you probably bring back one you just cut in Isaiah McKenzie and then bringing back a couple, less than a handful, to your practice squad here after cutting them loose. So what's, um, you know, what, what's the general theory on that? Did they try to do something else that we're completely unaware of? What, what's the theory behind, you think, those measures? Yeah, I, I wish I had a great answer for you, John. You know, it's one thing when you would cut, like, let's say they would have cut Isaiah McKenzie yesterday, and the thought there is he is released, he's right away a free agent, and you basically make a handshake agreement with his agent and say, hey, we're going to bring you back later, but we want to keep a guy like Darius Rush, because if we were to cut Darius Rush, he'd be waived, which means he's exposed to waivers, and we don't want to do that because a team can claim him before he becomes a free agent. So, like, that to me would have made some sense. Obviously, we saw it play out today. They expose Rush to waivers, and he gets claimed by the defending Super Bowl champs, and now he's gone. Um, But they didn't do that with McKenzie yesterday. They exposed Rush to waivers. So that's where I'm, like, confused in doing this today. You know, they could have cut McTelvin a gem, a defensive tackle, who they ended up cutting today to make room for these waiver claims. So, again, I don't have a great answer for you, Chris Bauer. As you know, John, as you've said, you know, he's going to chat here in whatever, 45 minutes. So that will certainly be a question. I assume McKenzie's back. Like, you know, I watched that. Well, what, what if he said, you know what? I, there's a better opportunity for me to go someplace else. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm sure that yeah. if, if, if he were firsthand, if he were – 
you know, actually willing to come back. They probably had a conversation when they they would cut him, I would guess, or or release him as it stands. But um, yeah, I just thought, what if? What if he wanted to go someplace else? Yeah, I mean, nothing's stopping him yeah. right now. Again, he, he's a free agent because he's played in the league long enough to immediately go to free agency and not be, you know, exposed to waivers. And I, I'm trying to think back, like, on McKenzie and training camp. You know, was he the perfect wideout? No. I didn't think we saw an abundance of drops, though, and that kind of has been his reputation. You know, sure, either you make a questionable decision in a preseason game, special teams-wise, probably. You know, part of me is like, well, don't you want to kind of evaluate your your blockers by bringing a kick out of the end zone or something like that. But I still think in a Shane Steichen innovative, creative offense, like he had that gadget role, and I, I assume that that was the thought with him. So, yeah, it makes no sense. And, John, this is a conversation you, you and I have had endlessly. Like, waiver claim wideouts aren't going to save the root of the wide receiver issue. The wide receiver issue extends past many, many years, and the root of it for me starts so much in the spring and then not paying enough, enough attention to it from a draft and development standpoint because that's when you obviously have those guys. Sure, the waiver claims, you know, maybe they can help you out a little bit more from a depth standpoint, but, you know, to me this is such a Chris Ballard core philosophy issue of he just doesn't think that position matters as much as others. <laughs> you don't think that that's going to be changing? You don't think at all? I mean, it will have to change, right? If you're one of the, the two worst teams in the NFL this year and the worst ends up taking Caleb Williams and you Marvin Harrison Jr., then you have to really change that philosophy up, right? Well, as much as you would think results would dictate change, it's not like they've dictated change for seven years yeah, now. No doubt about so that. I, no doubt. Now, I would ask you I, this, I too. Why, why does it always seem like that Chris has to go all these incredibly unconventional ways to get back to doing literally nothing? Why is that? I mean, all these paths you end up taking, all these unconventional measures, all these theories that you have, only to get back to really not gaining any ground on anything. Why is that? Yeah, I think there is – he's used this word, and I, I would have – I've certainly used it – before i think there's a smarter than everybody else is that a phrase (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i guess if you want to expand on it yeah i think that's another way to describe stubbornness um that's him and that's him with his blueprint and i mean this was the second maybe the third year in january i sat there at the season ending press conference and asked him does your blueprint need adjustment tweaking however you want to describe it outright changing and he just kind of gives the political answer and then the actions obviously speak to it and you can look at the draft and I think you can point to you know those first couple of selections obviously Richardson being atop the list of a change in philosophy but then you can point to a lot of other parts of the offseason and you haven't really done that and you look at the roster right now and it still is heavy in the trenches but then I'm looking at I'm thinking wait like look at the offensive line depth right now they've got 10 offensive linemen on this football team that is a huge core philosophy of Ballard. Of the five depth guys, four of the five have never played a snap in the NFL, and the fifth guy hasn't played a snap in the NFL since 2020. I mean, you got to go back three seasons for when he last played. So even, like, the core philosophy of his isn't adding up. And yeah. that's where I think if I'm Jim Ursay, and I go back to last season, and you could say the root of the problem was the offensive line, you know, if I'm Ursa, it's one thing to have an issue with his overall philosophy. But even if you don't, if you're Jim Ursa, you say to him, wait a minute, you're telling me it's all about trench play. 
okay, when has our defensive line been some dominant unit? Did our offensive line live up to the crazy money slash draft pick investment that's in it? No. So even if you look at what he is trying to build and not his overall plan, that's where you're like, what? That doesn't check out either. So, yeah, I, I continually scratch my head. Yeah, there's a lot uh, a lot to uh, certainly scratch about with these <laughs> decisions right here. Uh, Kevin Bowen via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much of this is Shane Steichen in year number one saying, hey, I'm going to put my stamp on this team and I can win with this? And, you know, kind of stepping in here with a great deal of bravado. Normally, all these coaches are going to have because without it, you don't make it as far as they do. How much of that involves Steichen in this decision-making process? Yeah, I think it's certainly a factor. Having said that, uh, Shane Steichen would be an absolute fool to not acknowledge the elite skill group he was working with in, in in Philly. We had a emailer today email me like, oh, you know, look at what Jalen Hurts had in his first season as a full-time starter. He didn't have a lot. Jalen Hurts had a second-round running back. He had two first-round wideouts. This is before A.J. Brown. And he had two second-round tight ends in Zach Hurts and Dallas Goddard. You could make the argument of those five skill players, all of them would walk into this building right now and be the best skill player. So, like, yes, is there a confidence? And do I think Shane Sykin has uh, a pretty impressive offensive mind? I do. But at the end of the day, players are needed, and the cupboard needs to be stocked. And that's not it. So um, I don't want to skip. I don't want to take shortcuts with Anthony Richardson if I'm the Colts because – you know, you, you, you hear people offer, well, who was Josh Allen's running back as rookie season? Who was Lamar Jackson's running back as rookie season? You know, who was Cam Newton's running back? Like, Cam Newton won a Heisman Trophy. Lamar Jackson won a Heisman Trophy. Josh Allen had double the amount of starts than Anthony Richardson had. So, again, you, you don't want to sit there at the end of year, whatever, three, four with Richardson and think, man, we would have given him a little bit more in those early years. What would that have done to his confidence? What would that have done to his early development? That, I think, is such an issue that teams strike out on with these young quarterbacks. And, again, all these young quarterbacks have a much different-looking resume than Richardson has entering the NFL. So, yeah, sure, there probably is some psychic influence in that, but somebody, Ballard, Ursay, whoever, says you can have that philosophy – but I'm not going to make that mistake because our lack of support with recent quarterbacks and more of the veteran route, I think, has been an issue for them. Do you believe this is as clunky of a game to be playing going into the start of a rookie campaign for the inexperienced quarterback that they have right now? Do you believe that to the level in which I do? Yeah, I think it's a super dangerous game. Yeah, I, I think it's a very, very dangerous game to to play. I think, you know, in a way, John, it's something I've brought up before, and I'm sure we've even talked about it. I mean, look what Jacksonville did last year in year two of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, everybody laughed at them all offseason long with what they did with Zay Jones and the amount of money they paid Evan Ingram and the amount of money they paid Christian Kirk, but they knew with Trevor Lawrence, a prospect that was being mentioned in the same breath as Andrew Luck and Elway and Manning, etc. They knew if they didn't get him right mentally in year two, who knows where his career would go? Well, again, Richardson doesn't have anywhere near that resume. So uh, that's where I, I, I worry that you're not giving him enough early on. Again, I think Shane Steichen is an ideal coach to try to cater to his strength and cater to what he does well. And you've already seen it in the preseason from all the RPO stuff, all the no huddle, all the up-tempo. Like that is the right, that, that's the right approach in my opinion. But this skill group, 
I mean, dear Lord, it's just, um, yeah, it, it is a huge, huge issue. And, I mean, even if you want to look at your tight ends right now and Jelani Woods and how, you know, that hamstring situation has been handled and what you do, like, that would be a, a, another layer to it. And, obviously, that's the one position group that doesn't have the three what? running backs and only two are healthy right now and the three wideouts currently on the roster. Why has the uh, the Jelani Woods situation been so secretive? been so hush yeah that's a good question because i I had i had heard and maybe this is completely wrong did it have anything to do with conditioning anything like that yeah i know there are some you know colleagues of mine that have done a little bit more digging on that and they feel like that the woods camp um you know has some pushback about how things have been handled right um and so, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, the Colts would say, well, conditioning-wise, he's had issues. And the Woods camp would probably say, well, we feel like you haven't handled his hamstring. Well, I mean, James Boyd that's told me in studio game. that he had I – mean, when I asked him that, he said, well, he, um, he's, he, he did all he could to change his body. But that's not, that's not quite the story that I got. No, and I, I haven't necessarily heard that aspect to it um so i think it's a kind of whatever a little bit of a he said she said it if you look at it for what it's worth the colts have had several guys that have dealt with some nagging hamstring injuries this this off season so that's a critical element i mean woods was one of the few individual bright spots late last season and now all of a sudden you know there's okay could he go on injured reserve to return uh you know this week um, he wasn't practicing as we left practice just a few minutes ago. So, you know, him even playing week one, I would think is very much in, in question considering how much time he's missed. So you just add it to the, again, lack of wideout support, which again, for me dates back to, you know, much earlier than just the waiver claims that happened today. I mean, this is a multi-year issue. And then obviously the whole Jonathan Taylor fiasco. It's uh, Kevin Bowen of the New Morning Show uh, into week number two, along with Andy Sweeney. Kevin Bowen, of course, it's the wake-up call with Kevin and Andy, and Kevin's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, yet another ridiculous-sounding situation. I ask you what you felt the end game was in reshuffling the roster in the fashion at wide receiver in which they did to try to get down to the 53-man. What, what, um, what, what's the end game here? I mean, ultimately, he's either going to have to play here or he's going to have to be traded, right? And I've been saying this for weeks now. I think that if he got a new deal, he'd play tomorrow. Thus, I believe he is uh, performing uh, a hold-in. And I've thought that for a while. But what's the end game? I I think I know what Taylor's side's going for. What are the Colts going for with this? Yeah, I, I've got no idea um, how this ends somewhat peaceful or cordial or however you want to describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Colts right now, if they really wanted to play serious hardball, boom. I mean, they could find him, I guess, and, and, and try and play that sort of game of like, no, you are healthy. And we're not giving you the full game check of you know, whatever it is, 230, 240-some thousand he gets every week for being on that pup list there. Um, so, again, we I hope that Chris Bauer will offer some clarity on that. We'll find out here in about a half hour. Um, but to me, I have said this all along, unless you are going to give him a multi-year extension and you have plans for him past 2024, and I would argue plans for him that don't include the franchise tag because that's going to continue to have clearly a disgruntled player. It's going to kind of 
back-end your cap situation, whereas if you wanted to keep him around for 2024 and beyond, you could front-load that by extending him now, then I don't really understand why he is around, frankly. Um, so, so much of it, I think Ballard has got to answer. And to be totally fair, I think Jonathan Taylor, I can make the argument that Taylor needs to talk more than Ballard. You know, you know the, the, the childish liking of a tweet yesterday by Taylor, um, it just seems so second grade to me, all of it. And, okay, do you need to – Taylor doesn't strike me as some dude that would just call a big press conference and, you know, air it all out. There are plenty of ways to get your message out outside of social media cryptic messages. Open up the Notes app on Twitter, answer five questions, explain your situation, provide some clarity to it. You can control the narrative if you want. It's not like the Colts are talking a whole lot. Obviously, Ballard is going to talk today. So I think both parties – and, again, Ballard's going to do it here in a bit – uh, but Taylor, without question, to me, needs to explain his, his side of it as well. I don't want I don't want to see Rosie and Max in second grade and tweeting about any hostage stuff. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that yeah. happening. Hey, did you buy what you buy what I'm selling now regarding this being a hold in? You think he's injured? Well, I think for the sake of his own physical health in the NFL, it better be a hold-in. I mean, if this ankle thing has really lasted 10 months... How can you maneuver around it? How how can you... Yeah, how can you not be medically cleared if you're healthy, but playing it off is not? How how can that happen? I don't know if you're, like, faking physicals or what, and obviously Mike Chappell is pretty staunch in his reporting last night. I think you've kind of followed a very similar script to it and saying... You know, from one source was what Chapel mentioned that this is a hold in. Yeah, that one, that's where we get into NFL, NFLPA games that could just explode. I mean, that's where it could get very, very delicate and icy. I would argue it already is, but it could even get to higher levels of that. So that's where I look at yesterday and think, sure, you, you, you kept them on the pup list. That was an answer that we were going to get by 4 o'clock, but nothing else has been solved. I mean, this is still a huge storyline that has many more answers and many more hurdles to clear. And, you know, we got two months more of it, considering when you look at where the where the trade deadline is for when the next, you know, big-time concrete deadline is. Would you describe this as a rebuild or a tank? Um. Probably a, I don't know. Like a retank? A tank to me is like, <laughs> <laughs> a retank. Yeah. Wait a minute. How many times are you going to tank? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You thought you hit rock bottom last year, but now you're going to retank. This is this year. Yeah. Like an outright tank to me is like you trade Buckner. I mean, hell, you would have traded Taylor. You would have looked into trading Nelson or Kelly or kinda Kenny wonder. Moore. I don't know. I'm I kind of wonder up. why they didn't do Buckner. I mean, aren't you? We've asked that. You and I have talked about that on this show before. Yeah. I mean, I asked Buckner that. Yeah, you did, like, didn't you? Yes, yeah, you did. Well done. What happened with, with Gilmore back in March? So, yeah, I mean, it is unquestionably a rebuild. And I'm sure there are a lot of fans out there that would like to see a tank with many flashes from Anthony Richardson. I mean, that is, that's a scenario to get Marvin Harrison Jr. and finally try and squelch some of these wide receiver talk. But, yeah, I mean, in no way, I can't point to – I mean, with Isaiah McKenzie being cut, John, feel free to correct me. 
That means the Colts did not make a single free agent move on the offensive side of the ball this year, <laughs> not named Gardner Minshew. True that. So the worst offense in the NFL, one of yeah. the worst offenses we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. They signed Minshew. Uh, nothing at running back, nothing at wide out with McKenzie now gone, nothing at tight end, and they're running back the same offensive line that started last year. Perfect. It's, I think I have that right. Sounds like another year in paradise as a Colts fan to me. How about you? Yeah, uh, quite the, hey, Shane Steichen, welcome to Indy. So, <laughs> yeah, it just um, it doesn't add up to me. Does not add up. All right. Hey, over under, my friend Greg wants to know how many Chris Ballard freakins are we going to get during this presser today? <laughs> a lot of freakins yeah, going get, on. Uh, you want to get the happy hour drinking game started. Freaking and look. If you put that oh, down yeah. on the bingo card, you get all drunk. Out before the, yeah, all before drunk. The goes down tonight. I think a lot of looks. I think at some point he'll get tired of the Taylor questions, and uh, that's how he will start some answers. And. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I know I, I won't say who. I know one of the colleagues in the in the media room texted Ballard a little bit earlier today asking for some a little bit on JT, and he goes, I will answer that later. So, you know, if, if you go off of that, I, I expect him not to just say, I'm not answering any Taylor questions. That would be pretty frustrating. So uh, it sounds like he at least is going to answer them for how long and, you know, the amount of them he'll field. Uh, remains to be seen. This sounds like an arms crossed podium afternoon for you guys from Chris Ballard. I think the arms may yeah. be crossed. Just maybe. Yeah, you know, I'm, ju- I'm thinking back to that November press conference when he was up there with Saturday and Earth Day. I think it's going to be, there could be some of those vibes in that room. Maybe not as, <laughs> you know, pouting Rosie Bowen as, as he looked on that night. But I think it could be uh, pretty similar to that. All right. Our friend Tucker Barnhart, by the way, a minor league deal with the Dodgers. So, you know, it looks like he's going to get on a postseason roster, I would assume, coming up here. That's great. So, good for him. Yeah, hell yeah. He hasn't spent the month of September enjoying too much here in recent years. He and Lance Lynn on the same team for the first time since Brownsburg High School, as it sounds. How about that? Nice, yeah. That's some, that's some positive baseball news that you and I needed, right? <laughs> I knew this was coming, man. I knew this. I, I, I prepared myself. At least we had June, all right? At least we got June. In other seasons, you didn't even have June. So we knew this was coming. Oh, I right. hate to say it, but that is spot on. Hey, lead with a question. We're going to turn you up. We'll crank you up when we have this uh, Ballard press conference aired over here. That's that first question. I, and, and I want ask a question and phrase it so I can get either a look or a frickin'. Okay? Oh, I, I don't think there's any special way that I need to phrase anything here. So, yeah, I'll let, I think Chapel and Holder have earned the right to take one, but I'll try to chime in there early. All right, buddy. Appreciate you guys are doing great in the mornings. Continued success. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. It's uh, Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen and Andy Sweeney in the morning. The morning wake-up call with Kevin and Andy. I'm way over. Robert Mays, top of the hour. The Ballard Presser after four. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now, Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier, podcast 1075thefan.com. Chris Ballard's press conference as he meets with the media. We will have that for you coming up. 
Sit tight for that. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic has a new football show along with our friend Zach Kiefer with The Athletic. Robert Mays talks some football with us right now. And Robert, welcome to the show. First things first, we may have to bail at some point to go hear what in the hell the Colts are doing from Chris Ballard directly here today. But we would love to have you back on at some point, so always keep that in mind. But we may have to bail a little bit earlier than usual today. Thank you for coming on first and foremost, though. No problem at all. Chris Ballard is more entertaining than me. I fully yeah. am willing to admit that, so it's not a problem. Yeah, there's, well, I don't I don't know about that just yet, but certainly there are a lot of, I mean, incredible unanswered questions around here. What do you make of not just the Jonathan Taylor situation, but above all else, the look of this roster moving forward with an incredibly inexperienced rookie quarterback taking the helm and Anthony Richardson for this Colts team? Everything outside of the Jonathan Taylor news and the Jonathan Taylor saga makes a lot of sense. They were consciously getting younger. Last year, I think they made a decision to try to take one more run at this thing with Matt Ryan and guys like Stephon Gilmore, you know, players at the end of their career. And they spent, I think, a lot of effort and energy this offseason getting younger, more athletic, all the way across the roster. They tried to recoup some of that draft capital that they'd given up for quarterbacks over the last couple of years, trading down consistently and he's taking huge swings on athletes. And we'll see. I think that it's going to be probably a frustrating season, probably an uneven season, but I think that this is more about what this roster looks like two or three years from now than it is what this roster looks like in 2023. So Robert Mays of The Athletic with us. Would you describe this as a rebuild or a tank or a retank or something of that nature? How would you describe this upcoming season? I think it's a reset. I think you're taking a small step back, hopefully, to take large steps forward. And obviously, that starts with the quarterback. They took a massive swing on somebody with undeniable tools, and you're searching for a really high upside, but it's probably going to take a while before that upside is realized. And I think that speaks to a lot of the guys that they drafted in this year's draft. So Robert Mays of The Athletic has a football show along with Zach Kiefer coming up this year for you. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what do you make overall of this Jonathan Taylor situation? I mean, as far as where the Colts are, where Jonathan Taylor is, I think we know what the end game is as far as Taylor is concerned and what he's going for right now. But what are the Colts going for in your estimation in doing this? My read on it was always that they weren't overly excited about trading him. You know, if I have a car that's worth $20,000 and I say, yeah, I'll I'll give it to you, I'll sell it to you, but I'll sell it to you for a million dollars, I don't really want to sell my car. And it feels like that's kind of where this settled with the Colts. Them asking for a first-round pick in this current running back market gives me the sense that they had never really wanted him off the roster. And this was a, all right, you know, you and your agent, you go make some calls, you see what you're worth, and then we'll figure all this out. And they weren't worth what you would have anticipated. So I think that that was kind of the move on the Colts' part from the outside looking in, that they don't actually want to trade them. Hopefully they can figure this out down the road. They can reach some sort of conclusion that's beneficial to both parties. But I don't know that for a fact, but in talking to people there when I was there and seeing how this is all kind of unfolded in public, it seems like they were never really intent on getting whatever they could for him. That was never the goal. You know, Robert, in terms of of Jonathan Taylor, and I've said this about him, and what I felt his importance was with this team, especially this season, and I want to get back to the makeup of the roster, too. I I always felt that it was really important, and and that's okay. If you're changing a philosophy, you want to get younger – stronger, faster, if that is you know what your prerogative is moving forward then so be it. But I always felt that this year, especially with Anthony Richardson it was of the highest importance that you support him 
and his growth, hopefully, as much as you can. And it just doesn't seem like with this roster, nor with the way that you know they've handled, and a lot of this is also on Jonathan Taylor, but the way they've handled Jonathan Taylor at all will help the growth and the production moving forward of one of the more incredibly inexperienced quarterbacks that we have seen enter the NFL. I think that's undeniable, and they're better with Jonathan Taylor, and Anthony Richardson's job is easier with Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think that the people who built this roster ever anticipated that the owner would get into a public feud with the running back a few weeks before the season started. I think this team knows that it's better with Jonathan Taylor on the roster, but unfortunately there are things that have happened behind the scenes that affect that dynamic. I think uh, a lot of us, listen, we've seen it handled this way before. Uh, like, supposedly, he's on PUP, and there's been talk, obviously, of an ankle that was repaired back in, in January that long since should have been healed by now. And then there's, you know, have been reports of a possible off-site situation with the back. I'm one that believes that this is a, a hold-in. How, how do you view his situation of being placed on PUP? You still pay him, and you keep everything calm, and basically what you do is you kind of kick the can down the road if you're both parties right here but if he were offered an extension tomorrow do you think that he would be pretty quickly ready to play Uh, that would be my assumption but i always hesitate to speculate about things like that and about i'm a tremendous speculator by the way too robert so it does feel like this is where players have a little bit of leverage this idea of well you know my ankle's really bothering me That's all players can really do in this world where the CBA prevents that from holding out. So I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. We've seen that happen with other players where the contract gets figured out and immediately they're ready to go, or some sort of resolution and immediately they're ready to go. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think it would just depend on what sort of extension we were talking about and whether it made sense for both sides. So Robert Mays of The Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline. Give me your viewpoint, uh, if you will, within the AFC South. And obviously you got two uh, quarterbacks getting their first start, C.J. Stroud with Houston, Anthony Richardson, of course, with the Colts, Tannehill still under center with the Titans. And then that favorite by most is going to be the Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville Jaguars. You expect them to raise the bar on what they accomplished, not over the course of the season, but certainly the momentum built in the tail end of the season a year ago. I do. I have high hopes for that offense. I think that Trevor Lawrence is a real star quarterback in the NFL. Calvin Ridley dropping in there really gives them a piece that they just didn't have last year. It was a receiving core made of number twos and number threes. And at his best, he can really make the rest of the group make more sense. The offensive line is still a question. You're relying on a rookie, rookie at right tackle. You're often your starting left tackle that you paid is suspended for the first four or five games of the year. I can't remember the exact number. So they're figuring all of that out. But I have a lot of faith in that coaching staff and, and that group for them to be good on offense again. And they're banking on some really young pieces on defense taking a step forward. So I think they are justifiably the, the favorite in the AFC because of the quarterback situation and because of what they showed on the offensive side of the ball last year. All right. Of the, the rookie quarterbacks, the only one I did not mention there near the top of the draft, but that is Bryce Young in Carolina. Of, of the the two mentioned within the South and obviously the Panthers' new quarterback and Bryce Young, who do you think is going to have the best overall, the most overall productive rookie campaign? It's a really good question. I probably would have said Bryce Young at the start of this because I thought that they had put enough around him offensive line-wise, other supporting pieces for him to be functional as a rookie. But that offensive line has looked really rough 
during training camp. Austin Corbett, who they paid in free agency last season, is on the pup list to start the year. And the same thing goes for Houston's offensive line. Uh, they really went out and consciously tried to construct that group, I think, to make C.J. Stroud comfortable. But Titus Howard was already hurt this summer. Their right tackle. Kenyon Green, who they drafted in the first round last year, is going to miss the entire season. They're trading for interior depth pieces. And Anthony Richardson, I think, is such so inexperienced that it's kind of hard to throw him into that same group. I'd still probably say that Bryce Young will have the most productive rookie season just because I feel like his – game potentially translates to the NFL a little bit smoother, the feel he has in the pocket, all of that. But again, I think this is more about what you're going to get two, three years down the road with these guys. So I don't think who's best right now among that group necessarily indicates who's going to be the best of this entire class. Robert Mays of The Athletic with us. If you don't have an answer, this is kind of a tough question, especially you know right off the top of your head trying to think about it right now. But you mentioned, and we've talked about the level of inexperience with Anthony Richardson. And certainly there have been other quarterbacks to enter the NFL that have had a, a, a very low level of experience in this case. Is there a comparison to the Richardson situation as far as games played collegiately uh, and the production he had collegiately um, and that relative inexperience to anybody that we have seen drafted either that made it or didn't make it of the past? Game started, the first one that comes to mind is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was a one-year starter at North Carolina. Obviously, that did not go very well for the Chicago Bears, but even he was more productive than Anthony Richardson was at Florida. The guy who had similar numbers to what Anthony Richardson had at Florida, completion percentage, et cetera, would have been Josh Allen at Wyoming, but Josh Allen started more games than Anthony Richardson. So I don't think there's ever been a player that was as inexperienced and had as underwhelming of box score numbers as Anthony Richardson did and was picked in the top five or even the first round. To me, that is a sign that the times have changed. We've seen other guys make huge strides from what their college scouting report looked like, what they are as finished products. And if you're willing to bet on traits, the right amount of makeup, and a guy who is smart enough to make it work, that bet and that series of bets is more acceptable in today's NFL than it's ever been. And I think that explains why a team would be willing to take a chance on Anthony Richardson. Right, Robert, obviously chief among at least the two teams that have been mentioned. It's kind of funny. Chris Greer said today that there was uh, not any formal offers given from Miami to the Colts. Yeah, whatever. But uh, clearly somewhere, somehow, there was some interest right there with the Dolphins. How would you view this Dolphins team if they had Jonathan Taylor? And I guess what I'm trying to ask you is how big of a disappointment might this be that they couldn't reel this guy in for their offense i think it's a huge boost for the dolphins because what they really need is a consistent running game with the way the teams were playing against them down the stretch last year being able to hammer teams that are more worried about you beating them over the top with you know five six seven yard chunk gains on the ground that's how you maintain a stable offense with the way the dolphins are built so having a guy that can really potentially sustain that running game all on his own and Jonathan Taylor would have been a huge boost, I think, to the overall philosophy and to the overall shape of Miami's offense. I still think they can get there with the guys that they have if their offensive line plays a little bit better. But there's no denying that the path to that sort of total offensive plan would be much easier, much smoother if Jonathan Taylor was in the building. So Robert Mays of The Athletic and Zach Kiefer are going to have a weekly NFL show. When's that start? I'm assuming week one, right? Duh. But uh, what date does it start? 
So Zach's show is on Monday after week one. Zach will have his own show on Mondays with our rotating cast of athletic beat writers. There'll be three of them, I think, on every single show recapping some of the games that happened on Sunday. And then we do the athletic football show six days a week. So I will be hosting three of the other shows that we do. All right, man. We'll do it again very soon, Robert. I appreciate you jumping on here. Absolutely. Sounds good. It's uh, Robert Mays of The Athletic and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. Should we take a break right here? We want to make sure we're right with the Chris Ballard press conference. That is upcoming. If you want to hear it, you can right here. You can get inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. They're going to play it. Is that going to be played in there? Is it going to be on the in the lounge? Will they be able to hear it too? All right. Quick break. We shall return, hopefully, with that presser. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we await Chris Ballard. James will let me know when Chris Ballard begins the press conference. I did. I thought it was important to go ahead and, and put this thing live because there are so many questions to be answered. And, you know, the best way to do it, really the only time you're going to be able to hear it until the end of the season is going to be coming up this afternoon. Thus, I feel, regardless of how you you think about the situation right now, this of an incredible level of importance. You know, whether you're talking about Jonathan Taylor and that situation, or if you're talking about the makeup of the roster, there's a lot of... A lot of questions that need to be asked. You know, we unearthed the whole Jelani Woods question, too, which also should be something that's asked. So I don't normally do this for live pressers, but I just think that this is a little bit different and certainly important. And I want you guys to be able to hear it Uh, inside the lounge via YouTube live. Of course, 93.5 and 107.5 the fan. And this will be uh, a courtesy of right. Colts.com. Uh, whenever that is officially underway. Waiver claims started around noon with the NFL in mind today. The Colts claimed Ryan Hayes from Miami, a defensive end. Isaiah Land, previously of the Cowboys. He's a linebacker. And guard Josh Sills of Philadelphia off waivers. And that was the uh, waiver work they did. Now, one of the bigger stories today was they released wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. You know, he's got time in the NFL where he becomes a free agent. But there is speculation that McKenzie ends up back with the Colts here at some point. Now, the practice squad... I'm not going to name every name, but some of those that you certainly know. Yeah, Jake Funk was a backup running back. He was brought back to the practice squad. Ronnie Harrison was a veteran safety that was cut. He was brought back. Jason Huntley, running back that they got, I believe, from Philadelphia, who was released or who previously had played in Philadelphia, was brought back. DJ Montgomery, wide receiver. al Muhammad, certainly with a great deal off that defensive line of experience being here, was placed on the practice squad. Amari Rogers, wide receiver. Dan Skipper, tackle. Um, Jawan Winfrey, wide receiver. And Mike Strawn, wide receiver, all brought back to uh, the practice squad, among others, a little bit earlier today. Uh, Jay, this is pretty funny right here. I would agree with you. 
JMV patience, my friend. Patience to the rebuild. You have, what, 40 more years to see a Super Bowl come back to Indy. <laughs> 40 more years. I mean, do the math on that right now. The ride with JMV when, what, I'm 90, uh, 93 years old? Yeah, listen, if I feel at times I do want to quicken the pace on this, then bear with me, right? Hey, believe me, I understand what this season is about all the way around. I think you understand what this season is about. But to question things that don't make a great deal of sense, there's absolutely zero wrong with that. It's just we have been doing over the past handful of years a great deal of questioning regarding things that have been going on this is from chad hey jmv i don't know if anthony richardson is the greatest quarterback prospect ever he does doesn't a running back or wide receivers just linemen and tight ends this is the blueprint to multiple lombardis all chips in period thank you chad Didn't you know that the Colts' new offense is based off of a five-tight-end spread set? (laughs) Dish hour. (laughs) Pretty classic right there. Thank you. What was that? Oh, I thought you were giving me the heads up. Oh, you were waving at John Griffin right there. All right. Fake heads up. JMV, what's more late? Ballard to the press conference or Ballard to realize his roster building mistakes? John knew that was going to be joked around with. Nah, anyway, that's the way that it looks. And we'll have the Ballard press conference whenever that thing started. I believe it was supposed to start at 4.15, right? So we're about the 4.24 mark. I need to sit here, hang it out, and wait for it. Whatever happens. A couple of things I do want to take care of uh, in terms of, oh, check that. We'll do it right now. Chris Ballard goes to the podium. Here is his press conference on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Um, This week, it's always hard. It's never easy. Um, Anytime you've, and we talk about this every year, but like anytime you cut the team down to 53, then eventually your practice squad, I mean, you're getting rid of some guys that, you know, you've developed relationships with who've been a part of your team and it's it's never easy. I don't I don't I don't care what anybody says. Like you you never get to a point where you're just callous and don't think about the other individual. These are human beings. Uh, this is their dream. This is what they want to do for life in their lives. And you're telling them right now, hey, you're not making it. So it's tough. Um, I'm pleased, you know, where we're at. Um, We've got work to do unequivocally. We're not by any means a finished product right now. But we've got we've got a lot of work to do. Um, We're young. We're young in some certain spots, which I think you all know. Um, But it'll be fun to watch these guys grow and play together and, and grow as a team. All right. So now let's let's address the elephant. Um, Jonathan, because I want to, I want to, I want to talk, and I want y'all to, you know, hear it. Because I know you're going to have questions. Just so y'all know, and I want everybody to know, Jonathan is a well-respected and a and a really good human being and a damn good football player. I think we all know this. All right, um, things like this happen. I tell every rookie that comes in, there's going to be a point 
when we disagree. And it's usually about money. And it's going to be hard. And just know that doesn't change my care level for you. I care deeply for Jonathan Taylor. I have great respect for Jonathan Taylor. Um, our relationship, I would tell you, is, look, even when it gets hard, I, I, won't, I won't quit on the relationship. I won't do it. I think too much of the young man. I think too much of what he's given our organization and how hard he's played for us. And what sucks, I mean, the situation sucks. I'm not going to sit here and give you some rosy picture like, oh, this is just, everything's okay. No, it sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. And it sucks for our fans. It, it just, it does. And it's, it's where we're at, and we've got to work through it. And we're going to do everything we can to work through it. Relationships are repairable. They're repairable. Like, I don't, I don't, when guys get emotional um, and take a stance, I, you got to have some, you know, you got to be able to work through those. I mean, have you ever in your life had a good friend, a spouse, family member, that you've had a disagreement with, and then you draw a line in the sand and say, this person's out of my life. Well, no. I mean, like, how do you do that? No, you work through it. And hopefully you come out the other side better because of it. All right? We got work to do. We do. We got work to do on the relationship, and we got work to do to, to find a, a solution to the problem and which, what we're going to do. All right, now to answer some questions. Did we give him permission to seek a trade? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I'm not going to get into the details of teams, what was offered and what wasn't offered. But what I'm going to tell you is Jonathan is valuable. Um, and at the end of the day, we're not, you know, I'm not just going to let him walk out the building. I'm not going to do that. It's not the best thing for the Colts and the organization. All right? As for the decision to put him on PUP, it's when you're still having effects from last year's surgery um, and still having pain and not 100%, we're not going to put a player on the field that's still complaining of pain in the ankle. We're not going to do that in injury. I wouldn't do that to any player. wouldn't treat anybody any differently. So what Jonathan will do is he will rehab his butt off and try to get himself ready to go. All right, time's yours. Fire away. Chris, what you just said is opposite to what a team source said about a team not believing that Taylor is actually Do you guys believe Jonathan Taylor is lying about his issues? What I just told you was he still has pain in the ankle. Still has pain in the ankle. Chris, do you feel He's like still throughout, the, throughout the last several months, both offseason and more recently, do you feel like there's more you could have done to resolve this before it got to this point? And if so, any regrets? Uh, it doesn't mean give them $30 million. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a fair question. It's a fair question. Um, and I want to answer it because I've thought a lot about it. I mean, you know me. I, 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 especially when I know I'm 
you know, you're, you're hurting a guy you really care about, you know, because he trusts the relationship, that's, that's hard. Um, I felt I was very honest um, with all my discussions. Um, and, you know, I've thought through, you know, what we could have done differently. I'm, I'm sure both sides would probably tell you, man, I wish I'd have done something a little bit differently. Um, but the one thing I do know is it doesn't do me any good or anybody any good to sit up and say, ah, you know, it's this, somebody else's fault. Oh, it's their fault. Nah, that, that's, that's not productive. That's not it does It does nobody. It doesn't help you find a solution. It doesn't. Chris, will he rehab here? Yes. And would you still let his camp seek out trade offers? And yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into trading. I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. I'm not going to get into that. You know, right now, Jonathan Taylor's a, a cult. You guys have been very generous with, with guys and going into the last year of their contract. Why is this different? That's a good question. Um, here's what I will tell you. We have, we've, I think you can look this up. Like we've given guys early extensions. We've given guys extension, you know, before they went into their fifth year. We've given guys extension who have played their contracts completely out and gone into free agency and signed them back. We've let guys go all four years, and then they ended up signing good contracts some, somewhere else. I think every situation's a little bit different. And I explained this during camp, you know, coming off last season, you know, that's tough. I mean, you, you won four games. Um, you got a brand-new coaching staff, all the circumstances surrounding it. So I think every situation is different. The uh, injury, the, the surgery, everything we know about it is it's routine. Some months later, it doesn't feel routine. Has something gone wrong in the rehab? Is the surgery a failure? Why are we still here? I don't know if there's anything as a routine surgery. I think anytime you, anytime you have surgery on your body, it's different. And I think everybody heals, rehab, I mean, all everybody's different. Like, you can't just stamp one thing and say, okay, this guy's going to be, it's just, everybody's different. There's guys that, some get back faster, some guys don't. As some of, this, as some of the public nature of the dispute standoff tweets from Jim Irsay, JT's agent, JT himself, has that affected any line of communication between both parties, all parties involved? <laughs> well, look, I've done the, I've, I've communicated consistently with Malky and Jonathan. Um, I've definitely talked to my owner, um, who has great insight. I mean, look, he's been doing this a long time. Um, and it's a, it's, I think sometimes you, everybody gets a little emotional. Um, and I, I just doesn't think, I don't think it does any of us any good right now to, to blame, point fingers. I just don't, I think that's, that's not productive for what we need to get done going forward. Is there, is there any concern that some of the indications are that he doesn't want to be here? We don't know. That you've got a player here that may not want to be here and how it might impact the locker room or not? No, look, you're always concerned. Look, this is the first time I've really dealt with this kind of – that's what's so – I'm disappointed – because, uh, you know, we've never dealt with this before. That's why it sucks. Like, we've, I mean, we've done a good job, you know, making sure, communicating, making sure the player knew where they stood, um, what we were going to do going forward. So, you know, there's always a first. This happens from time to time. It's just something we work through. I, I will tell you this. 
our guys in the locker room, and I and I give Shane a lot of credit, and I give our coaching staff a lot of credit. Man, they they're dialed in and 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 working and focused on what they need to do. Chris, you talked about relationships and uniforms can change, but the relationships remain. Do you think he has an understanding about how much you care about him as a person and knowing this is his career, but it's business is one thing and relationships are another? Yeah, that's always the that's always the fine line. And I look for in in his relationship oriented as I am, that's a you know, sometimes I let it bleed into both, you know, both sides of it. Um, but like I said a minute ago, like Sometimes you disagree, and you still can love and care about somebody. You can still care and love about somebody. You don't always have to agree. Um, I think I told you all this at the end of the year conference. Like, I mean, at my press conference at the end of the year where, you know, it's in our country right now and anywhere, like, you can't just disagree. You can't, because then if you disagree, you're totally wrong, and you draw a line in the sand, and then the relationship's broken. You know, I, I just, dang, how do you come to solutions that way? How do you come to a solution? How do you get to the root of the problem and fix it? Did you talk, have you talked to, to Jonathan since yesterday? And, and then you just talked about fixing it. Okay, how do you fix it if, if there's nothing changes? How do you fix it? Yeah, well, I've not talked to, just to answer, no, I've not talked to Jonathan. I've talked to, uh, I've communicated with his agent. I will talk to Jonathan here in the next day or two. I know Shane's talked to Jonathan. Um, that's something we're going to work for. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, okay, here, I got the magic answer right on. No. This is, I mean, this is complex, and it's just something we got to work through and find an answer. Chris, you as a part of your team's future? I sure hope so. That's the way I look at it. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a great kid. I think he's a great for the community. Um, that would be the plan. Um, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals of yay or nay, but I don't want the indication that we don't want Jonathan Taylor. That is not true. Um, and not true by any state. I've never once even made that statement. I think one of the things that's like the one thing that never gets mentioned, and maybe it's just because I've never really had the opportunity, but like everybody keeps bringing up the tag and an automatic, we never used it. We've never been in that situation to use it, but we've never used it. Even with guys hit free agency, we haven't. So that is a big concern of his, as you probably know. Um, I, I think this is true that he offered to uh, come in if you guys would take that off the table. Is that true? Did I, you never, I never had, you know, I never had that discussion about that. I mean, they asked if we would use it, and I said, well, it's a tool. Yeah, it is. It is a, it is a tool. Um, it was CBA bargained, you know. So I'm not, like the one thing, and I told Jonathan this. I said, I don't want to say something that is not true. Like, I don't want to lead him down. I don't want to lead him down a path and say, okay, give it. And then it, and then he looks at me and says, well, you're a liar. That, no. And you're not going to do that. I don't, you don't want to make false promises that you can't keep, especially with players, because the second you do it, you're done. Like, I know it looks not the best right now, but I know I've never lied to him. I know that for, I've never lied to him. You say you all want him, so why was it even an option or a discussion to allow him to seek a trade in the first place? Well, sometimes, I mean, there's, and that's that's fair. That's a fair question. Um, you know, sometimes you, you're, you're both sides are beating your head against the wall, and you need to see what's out there. You need to see if what's out there. Understanding that every surgery is a little different, it still seems just shocking that seven months later, 
he's not able to get out there. So guess how confident are you and your medical staff that they can figure this situation out? Yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident they can. If he's, got, if he's hurt, if he's hurt, why were other teams willing, apparently, willing to make a deal for him? Because he's a he's a 24-year-old running back, and even though he might not be ready for a little bit, he's still 24 years old and got a bright career in front of him. Chris, you guys reportedly made an offer to Kareem Hunt. What does that say about your franchise and how much you stress high care? Um, I th what I will tell you is he's been in the league a while. Um, he, of course, I'm not going to get into specifics on what we did and what we didn't do, but I think our track record there is pretty good, Kevin. I, I, I mean, I'll never forget when we got slammed for one player we took, and he ended up being a really good member of this community. So I think our track record, any guy we bring into this building, we vet, and assuredly we're going to do everything we can. We're not going to be 100% perfect, but I think our track record is pretty good. With that, with that and, and Jonathan's status, do you need to bring in a running back? For the room, just just because we're working through it, um, we're we're hopeful with Brent, with um, not Brent, uh, you know, with Moss. Um, we're hopeful to get him back really soon. Um, you know, we like we like what Dion has done. We think Dion has taken another step. And we like Hall, and then we're going to have some guys on the practice squad we like also. That's the you know what th this is what now this is the shame of because this is dominated the month, but it's overshadowed some of the really good things that have gone on. It's overshadowed, you know, Bernard and the steps he's taken. It's overshadowed um, what some of these young corners, and they're young, but a guy like Jones, the seventh round pick that our scout, Anthony Coughlin, fought like a dog for us to take. I did, I, I'm not going to say and lie to you. I mean, like, I had my doubts, but Anthony pressed and pressed and we took him, and Anthony was right. He was right. This kid is going to be good, like really freaking good. And, you know, it's overshadowed all these other stories that are going on. we got a young quarterback that we're excited about that is, is showing really good promise. So that, that's what you'd like to be up here talking about. Any scenario where Jonathan Taylor plays for the Colts again? Of course there is. Of course. Has the team's position changed at all? Jim said that you guys did not plan on offering him a contract at all until after this year. Has the team's position changed on that at all? I'm not. I'm not gonna get into contract stuff. I never do. So y'all should be pretty good with that answer. Has he himself given any indication he's going to be willing to play for the Colts in the future? We'll keep working through it. We'll keep working through it. You you made this decision to not trade him with some real ambiguity about how this is going to play out. Is that a fair statement? And, and if so, then why are you willing to take that chance, I guess? You either stand for something or you stand for nothing. Um, it's a balance between doing the right thing, the best thing you can for the player, but at the end of the day, doing the best thing you can for the organization and the team. It's a balance. We got to, at the end of the day, have a job to do and do the best thing for our, for our team and our organization. So, so, the easy, about how so the easy thing would have been to just dump it and move on. That's not what's best for the team. Nope. You often talk about how the locker room knows as far as who gets paid and, and what it takes. So how much do you think about just the message it sends to players about how difficult it is to get an extension here with, with all this going on? <laughs> well, I think you can go ask – why don't you go ask them? I'm serious. Go ask Brian Kelly. Go ask 
all the other guys in that locker room, Quint, I mean, go ask them. I mean, we've extended a bunch, okay? And we've done them all at different time levels. Quint Nelson went all the way into his fifth season. We're about to start the season. I mean, everybody's a little bit different. Every situation's a little bit different. I mean, to sit here and say and try to make a statement that we don't take care of our players, don't agree with that one at all. Chris, why why weren't why was a deal not made? What, what what was the issue? I mean, to the extent that you can share. I think I've been pretty clear with the way the season went. New, I mean, I, I talked about all this at training camp. The way the season went, um, where we were at, and where we were going forward. New coaching staff. Um, we had some reasons. Nothing. Nothing major, but there was reasons. We thought we needed to just sit tight. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe I wasn't clear. Why wasn't a deal made yesterday? What, I mean, just... Oh, on... on uh, why, why didn't it uh, never... Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of stayed that when I opened up. But I'm not going to get into details of why. Um, and what was offered or where were we at? Just, I mean, at the end of the day, he, he is a really good player. And, like, if... If somebody was going to trade for him, I think that needs to be valued correctly. What went into cutting Darius Rush? Oh, that's a good question. That was hard. Um, yeah. Jalen Jones. <laughs> We'd had to keep seven corners, so it had been tough. It had been tough. I mean, Kenny Moore, we think, had a great camp. Tony Brown, I love – let me just make this known. Like, I love Tony Brown. That dude competes. He's a great teammate. He's all in. Um, and then you have, you know, you have Baker. Um, we have Dallas. I mean, all these guys that have all come in and played really good, you know, football and have really good ups, and they're all young. You know, Juju's coming along. I do want to talk about Juju because I do think the upside is really high. You know, he missed the spring with a – with a wrist and then he had a hamstring early so it's been a little bit slow here but the two weeks he was you know in we're excited about him he kind of got a little tweak again so we're trying to get our head around making sure we got him right for the long haul but no look it just happened to be a group that's young and talented and nothing against Darius wish him the best I know he was claimed um, wish him the best that went back and forth with him earlier about it um, he's very talented but it was a good group it's also on the contract here yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are up that are going to be on the, working on the last year. So I think we just, you know, we work for it. I don't ever talk about contracts, you know, where we're going. Um, those things work out over time, and you'll know whenever they happen, usually. I don't, want to step on. The, I don't want to step on. Go ahead. Looking at the rest of the offense, you're missing JT right now. You only have three receivers on this roster. What gives you confidence that you are giving Anthony Richardson the pieces he needs to be successful this season? Well, three is because we're doing roster mechanic stuff. I still think Michael Pittman's a pretty good football player. I still think Alex Pierce has upside and is a pretty good football player. And we really like Josh Downs. We'll get the rest of it filled out. Um, we're excited about about uh, Ogletree. I think you know our thoughts on Ogletree. Um, we've always thought highly. It was a big loss last year. We think Mallory. Um, that was exciting to see, you know, him get healthy and show the flashes that he showed. Um, Granson. 
uh, you know, Granson's a good football player. Every staff that's come in and every quarterback that's come in sliked him. So it, it's, it's, I know the world paints a bleak picture here, but it's not as, I don't think it's as bleak as the world makes it out to be. What gives you confidence that Anthony can handle the ups and downs of being the, the full season starter? He's a pretty cool customer. I stayed on the sidelines this year, which I've done a lot, but I've done it more. I just wanted to feel it and feel him, which, look, when he takes off and runs, it's a you can feel him. Um, but he doesn't get – it's fun. I mean, look, and he's going to have moments, of course. I mean, they all do when they're young. But like, he is really poised, even after a bad play. He has really got some poise to him that's unique. Um, Look, there's going to be ups and downs. We know it. I, everybody in this room knows it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Um, you know, but you got to keep stepping up and learning from every situation, the good ones and the bad ones, and keep moving forward. Chris, the O-line depth, really an experienced bunch. Any concern there? Obviously, Danny going down. I know. Yeah, it sucked, man. It sucked for Danny Pinner, man. He's one of the really good dudes and really good players and was having a hell of a game and had a really couple of good weeks of practice so that stunk for him um, we think that so we've claimed a couple guys that we think are help um, so we think I think we got 11 now um, on the roster we feel better about where it's at and where we're going with it they are young but how do they become vets I mean they got to play I mean they got to play so I mean you want to line up a bunch of vet I mean you can do that but I, I just like it's easier when you know especially on the old line and we've we've got a couple guys that you know have been around but it's I just think I, I got a lot of faith in Tony and and how he coaches them and what he's doing um, these guys have talent and you just got to grow with them I think the version of this maybe was asked so I apologize but um, on JT, one last point. Is there any? Do you see any inconsistency at all? Where I mean, I know you don't want to talk about particulars of trade, but you did clearly ask for a lot of compensation because you value him. You said. Uh, and on the other hand, you've elected to not extend the contract now, as you have for your other All-Pro level players. Is there any inconsistency there at all? Do you feel like? And you stated your reasons why, but just that particular. Same reasons I've stated. Like you, there. You know. <laughs> In terms of compensation, I think there's a history of it. Mm -hmm. There's a history of what some of these guys have been traded for. One in particularly not long ago that was really good. Um, and then in terms of the contract, I'm not going to get into in depth about that. Just not. Do you feel like this stunts Anthony's growth at all? Not have Jonathan. Do you think that stunts Anthony's growth or hinders his early development? Not have Jonathan next to him. Well, sure. look, when you don't have a great player, I mean, but I don't think it stunts his growth. No, not at all. Help, I, but it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. Did it stunt Andrew's growth without a special back? Was there anything you learned about Shane Steichen just? through how he's run training camp that you didn't know before? He's a whole, I mean, I've said this a million times, he's all ball now, um, which I love about him. And he's, and he's, he's not a panicker. Um, here's what's really, like, the, he understood, he's got a real creative mind of how to use the pieces, okay? Um, so whatever a player's strengths are, he's going to do everything he can to put them in position to do that. Um, no, look, I mean, 
you know, look, Shane's the first time head coach, and, and he, I think he's handled it, you know, really well. Um, he's been great with the team, great with the coaching staff, great with the players, honest, um, working to get them better. That's what you're going to ask for. You talked about the offensive line that you picked up on waiver claims. What about Isaiah Land as far as you bring him in? Yeah, well, look, anytime you got a chance to, we wanted to add some speed off the edge, you know, another guy, and he's a guy we really liked in the draft, um, and just for whatever reason, we just didn't get a chance, and he ended up going undrafted and ended up in Dallas, showed us enough um, that we said, okay, now let's, let's take a shot and get him in here. We don't know when he'll be ready. I'm, look, his head coach in college, Willie Simmons, is a good friend and a good guy, and just like been beating on the table for telling us how what he thinks his potential is. So we'll see. We'll get him in here tomorrow and start working with him, see where we can develop him. You mentioned that you don't really feel like the sky is following with regards to the wide receiver group. So is that did that play a reason why you didn't pick up any wide outs on the waiver claim? Are there some other guys that you're looking at? I know you're not gonna say that. Yeah, we got a ways to go. I mean, yeah, we got we're doing some roster mechanic stuff right now. So Nick Cross had a pretty big summer. We haven't talked to you since since then. What's your evaluation of him versus last year? Because it, it was a pretty big summer. Really happy for him. It's not his fault he was 20 years old when we drafted him. <laughs> we forget that sometimes. They're young. You know, and then we, then we put these – and look, this is where I screwed it up. Like, I was so excited about him. I put the expectations out there on him. And then he's, you know, just came a little overwhelming for him last year and he didn't quite perform. And then to watch him work, mentally be able to battle and handle it and then play – Free safety, strong safety, nickel, and then, you know, really performed pretty well. No, we're, we're excited about where Nick is at and where he's going. All right, let's do one more here. Last time we spoke to you, you said the running back market is what it is. Um, how much do you think the running back position in particular when it comes to JT's contract negotiations or discussions you all have had has factored into um, what he, he wants or what you think is, is, is fair on both sides? Let me say this. I, I, the running back market is what it is. But you pay – I've said this all along. Like, I didn't have – Quentin Nelson didn't have a problem playing a guard a lot of money, which other people don't either. Like, you, when guys are having great seasons and great – have a chance to really help your football team, absolutely. I mean, I, the running market is what it is. But, look, great players are what they are too. So, I, I think that all works. I think there's a – we won four games last year. We won four games. Now, there's awesome. Chris Ballard right there. We'll come back. We got the 5 o'clock hour for you guys to respond to that. The ups and the downs and a very emotional at times. And I got my thoughts on why. And a very chippy sounding at times. I also have my thoughts on why. Chris Ballard with the media a little bit earlier. Quick break. We'll come back. And again, we got the five o'clock hour at 239-1070 to talk with you about what you just heard from Chris Ballard, general manager of the Colts. 239-1070. You can get going the entire five o'clock hour with your response and reaction right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
Hey, welcome back. Kevin Bowen, Robert Mays, a little bit earlier. Robert of the Athletic, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. All right. I'll lob this out there. Whenever James gets this ready, we have a differing opinion. And basically right now, the scoreboard is rated right down the middle. And that's with that final question. That was James Boyd, who consistently is on with Jake now uh, at noon, from noon until three right here at The Athletic. James had asked a question, and, and, and James, my James, the producer, I want you to I want you to include his question in that, if that's okay. And we're kind of split down the middle, because to me, it sounded more like the answer Ballard gave, and I know that he was throwing roses and bouquets at Jonathan Taylor at the beginning, but at the end, to me and some others who have chimed in, it sounded like that when you talk about, you bring back a four-win season, it's a four-win season. And I know many people are saying he was evaluating the entire team. It was an entire team effort in a nutshell. That was his blame. But you tell me. I'll let you guys decide. I'll tell you what I think, and I'll let you guys decide. This is the tail end of the press conference, and James Boyd of The Athletic asked this. Last time we spoke to you, you said the running back market is what it is. Um, how much do you think the running back position in particular when it comes to JT's contract negotiations or discussions you all have had has factored into um, what he, he wants or what you think is, is, is fair on both sides? Let me say this. The running back back market is what it is. But you pay – I've said this all along. Like, I didn't have – Quentin Nelson didn't have a problem playing a guard a lot of money, which other people don't either. Like, you – when guys are having great seasons and great – have a chance to really help your football team, absolutely. I mean, the running market is what it is. But, look, great players are what they are too. So, I I think that all works. I think there's a – we won four games last year. We won four games. All right, I'm curious. In the tone and the way in which James Boyd asked, does it sound like that he's blaming the overall team or did it sound like that that was somewhat of a jab on not at all willing to move off of giving Jonathan Taylor any more money? Just a thought. I will tell you this, that right now, right now, it's split down the middle. Like, I have people telling me that clearly he meant the entirety of the team. Then I have people saying that looked like or sounded like that that was a shot at Taylor. Now, I will say this, talking about Jonathan Taylor, two things stood out. He got chippy because he got sick and tired of answering about the question and really giving answers that he really didn't have any or he could not give them. And he was emotional in both. Both at the beginning and then at the tail end. But I'm just kind of curious, that sound, that's a thing that stuck out to me more than anything else. Let's be honest about it. We didn't learn anything from that regarding Jonathan Taylor. We all still probably are firm in our thoughts with this. Like Jim Reamer says, it sounded like a guy who just answered the same question about five times. 
And really, he sounded emotionally similar at the beginning and chippy at the beginning as he did at the end. Now, that stood out. And then the comparison of this season with Anthony Richardson to that of Andrew Luck doesn't make any sense to me at all. That part doesn't make any sense. I mean, Andrew Luck came out as one of the more polished, is supposed to be the greatest of all time type of quarterbacks that's been through nearly everything. And this guy's had 13 games in college. That to me is just a thought. All right, overall, we'll talk about that. See, now we're getting a little bit of a lean. See, I got people telling me that they thought that it wasn't so much Taylor that he was blaming as the overall look of the team. Now we got a little bit of lean in that direction. I'll give you some of what people are saying about it. Uh, oh, yeah, Jay Hooley says, worst take of all time, sounding like Stephen Holder. I'm sounding like Stephen Holder. All right, then. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Matt says he disagrees on that one. Steve says he doesn't want to give an injured running back more money when they're a bad team. Nothing wrong with wanting him to prove his worth. It can be both. JMV, it's bad, and hopefully I'm in the minority here, but I'm already tired of hearing about the Colts. Basically, nothing matters, but Richardson and Ballard has given him what I think is easily the worst set of weapons in football. Jim McCann, Ballard's optimistic that the relationship with Jonathan Taylor can be reconciled. However, we all know that both involved parties need to want to fix the relationship for a reconciliation to occur. I'm not sure that that's the case here. Yeah, that's something else that you do gather about that. Brad Beeman says, usually agree with you, JMV, but I took that to mean we suck. No one deserves more money, not JT. Made us suck. JMV, my favorite part was when Ballard asked if the lack of a star running back stunted Andrew Luck's growth. It may not have stunted his growth, but the lack of a run game was a huge reason. He got knocked around in the pocket so much. You don't compare, you don't compare Anthony Richardson to Andrew Luck. I mean, you don't, you can't, can't happen. And that's that. And a lot of roster mechanics. If you had questions regarding the wide receivers, still ongoing and trying to sort that out. But a little chippy and a little emotional. Mark says, you know what doesn't make sense? Ballard being general manager after a four-win season. (laughs) And you got that. Uh, We'll get your thoughts. I'll give you more of mine coming up. Starting to get split down the middle. JMV, I don't understand Ballard's four-win football team statement. First off, Taylor was hurt the majority of the four-win season he's talking about. So would that not raise Taylor's value knowing he was out and they only won four games? Second, the team is saying sucks so badly the same team that he built. They're Ballard's freaking team here. Go to the table, throw a guy a bone. You threw an injured guard, $22 million, but you can't pay Taylor anything more than $4 million. That makes no sense. And I'll ride this thing until the end, and I don't even know if we're ever going to see it. 
because he had no answers regarding other than it's still an injury situation with the ankle. Again, a show of hands on who believes that. I know it's dangerous territory, and I bring it up all the time, but anybody a show of hands who believes that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Josh says that was definitely a shot of Jonathan Taylor, just putting the blame on him to deflect their awful decision to get Matt Ryan. Uh, Charles says what Ballard has done in six years to show he is a genius general manager that a lot of people think he is. That's interesting, too. Uh, Just topped into truck, so we've had just a few wide receivers and backup running backs. What exactly is the plan here? Roster mechanics as they continue with the plan is what Chris talked about. And again, we held that for you right here. Listen, I don't get mad if you disagree with me. I mean, Brad disagreed, and that's cool. I mean, some of us hear what we want to hear. Some of us hear what they want to hear. That's the way that it is. But that's I, the whole the whole emphasis of the the anti Jonathan Taylor thing here. And no matter what was said at the beginning, I still think holds true. And I do believe that he is necessary. I don't believe that you can just slot anybody in there. And again, if healthy, that's okay. If he's not healthy and that is absolutely true, then I am wrong and this whole situation is being done 100% accurately. But you cannot tell me, you can't compare Andrew Luck in his first season and what you got out of him without high-level running back production with what you're getting into now with Anthony Richardson. And I think that's okay to say. I think everybody knows that. We'll see. All right, two three nine ten seventy is the number. We'll play off of that. And actually, I have you for the remainder of the hour. Uh, Jonathan's on the show. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm good. Are you sober after the looks and the um, <laughs> and whatever else? Yeah, there was there was some there were some looks in there there definitely. It um, here's what I, I gather too. It just Jonathan. It it sounded like a dude that didn't want to and couldn't answer basically 100% of the Jonathan Taylor questions that he knew were going to be lobbed at him. So I don't think we got really anything out of that. I mean, we can just easily, like my speculation, I think can you know be as reasonable as somebody else's speculation, if that makes sense. Right. I don't think we learned anything about that. Yeah, well, I think that this whole thing, the roster construction has been weird since last year. He mentions they only won four games last year and not enough of the rosters changed the guys who were responsible. And um, I feel sorry for Richardson and they surrounded uh, him with so few weapons that it almost makes me think that if it is a tank, it could be for Caleb Williams or Drake May. Like this is all uh, set up because they didn't get the QB they wanted in the year they wanted. Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but now nah, he went pretty far in that presser to sell just how much he had to be talked into Richardson. So uh, they're they're a hundred percent in on Richardson, and no doubt about that. And I mean Manning um, only had he only completed fifty some percent, and Luck only completed fifty four, which is really low in his rookie years. But yeah, that that yeah. was different. Two thousand twelve, I'm pretty sure almost everybody 
was turned over. Like the, it seemed Reggie Wayne and Vinatieri were the only guys left. So yeah, I, I agree that's a different yeah, scenario. So. Hey, Jonathan, anything else? Uh, no, that's all. Thank hey, you. thanks for the call. I appreciate that. I don't think there's anything wrong for me or for you or for anybody else to ask that you want to help support the quarterback. And you can't tell me, you can't tell me what they have right now is nearly enough to do just that. And that's what I gather. Listen, do I understand where he can't come out there and firmly answer everything regarding Jonathan Taylor? Sure. Because as of yesterday, the saga continues. And I've said this all along, and I I thought that the questions he answered about, you know, the the offers and the interest that was there, they set that price tag so high they didn't have any interest in trading him. I just kind of want to know what the end game is here. And I've said this before. I know what, and you know what Jonathan Taylor's is. I mean, he wants to get paid, wants to get an extension. But what, what's it for the Colts here? Is it October the 31st? You know, a, a deal with a team that may be in need, needy, a competitive team that loses, you know, a productive running back that needs to fill that gap. What, what's the? That's what I want to know. I know that we ask a lot of questions that, again, he's he can't answer, but it doesn't make any more sense with what he said today than it did before the start. I mean, really, that's the only fact. It just doesn't make a great deal of sense. Hey, JMV, what'd you think about, quote, did it stunt Andrew Luck's growth without a special back? Yeah. Come on. There's zero comparison to be made there. None. Absolutely none. Uh, Beck's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Beck. How are you? Uh, good, JMB. How are you doing? Fantastic. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I am start. I guess I'm starting to get tired of Ballard, too. It seems like he's just running out of smoke screens to, to keep his job going. I know with the draft and the Richardson probably gets him a couple more years, but it seems like he just gets more and more irritated by the questions that highlight just how bad the decision-making or lack of team building has been over the last couple years. And for him to come out and say and, and kind of and make it seem like it's Jonathan Taylor's fault that they won four games, it's like, drafting a bad fantasy team and then saying, oh, yeah, we sucked and only won four games. But um, I just don't – how much longer do you think he has? Three years. This, this year and two more. Three year and yeah. – th- this year and, and two more if it doesn't go the way that they, they hope it goes. Because he's going to get – obviously this year he's going to get next year with what they hope is, is growth and maturation from the quarterback. And then that decisive year is going to be year three. I know it. I know it kind of falls on how the cards fall and stuff, but it almost seems like now he's he's making picks and things like that to just barely hang on and and give enough of a argument either way on, on either side of the coin. Well, I, I picked the best quarterback available, but he doesn't have any weapons. Well, that's your fault too. But and yeah, then trying yeah. to justify. Well, I mean, you, you, yeah, Nelson. And, it, it's tough. It, 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 see, and that's that's part of the issue because you did non-essential positions and extended both um, in, in terms of Leonard, in terms of Nelson, 
And I think we could all argue, and again, if you're still questioned on the health of Jonathan Taylor, then so be it. But we could all question, among those three positions that would be deemed non-essential, I would say the most essential to have this season, even more so than a guy like Quentin Nelson, is to have a home run hitting running back that you've seen do that in the past. And that's why everybody questions this, because it it seems incredibly backwards. It's like you all of a sudden now decide that, you know, we want to change the pace. And clearly they're trying to get younger. There's no doubt about that. They have. Um, But now you've decided, all right, the path I've gone for six years doesn't work. And this is what we're going to do. You're doing that without telling everybody, you know, what you're doing in this case. But you still need support for a quarterback it's not like Andrew Lux coming in here as polished as he was coming out of college that's a, that's a silly comparison yeah it's just irritating that you know like all, all of the guys on the show all of the uh, all, all of you guys have identified very easily and quickly all the skill positions that we need that are allowing teams to win in the NFL now and it just seems like we've gone completely opposite to that and I know it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback but just from a GM standpoint, like he's the ultimate person you would want in your fantasy football league going out and securing a kicker first before getting any skill positions. Yeah. But anyway, Beck, you call me anytime, man. man. I appreciate that. Hey, Gary writes this. This was in regards to, to what I talked about regarding the, the uh, question that was asked at the end by James Boyd. Um, and this was with regard to what I thought, and what I heard regarding Jonathan Taylor compared to, you know, what everybody else heard about this being a team failure of a year ago. The whole quote, we won four games last year. Gary writes this, huh? The obvious translation is we weren't rewarding anyone for having a really down or losing season. Is this not exactly how it works in any line of business? It'd be different if he was extending others, but he's not. Yeah, I guess really the only one that got the vote of confidence in an extension is him. Yeah, the only one involved in that four-win season a year ago that we're thinking about is him. It's Ballard. That's it. That's it. So maybe you are right. Yeah, the only one that moves forward is the guy that's making the decisions. I know, I know that Jim played an integral role in bad decisions last year, but still, the general manager, the general manager built a team that won four games last year. He's going to go for at least three more years to figure this out. Uh, Jay is at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. How are you? JMB, what it is, my man. How are you doing, Jay? It's good, dude. This is your boy, Jay Elliott, from the South Side, Stereo Deluxe, long time ago. Man. <laughs> Jay, Stereo Deluxe. You guys still doing the music thing, or is it over? I mean, uh, the band, I mean, we're all cool, you know. Uh, I see those guys, you know, fairly regularly. I'm still out here playing, you know, hell, man, 125 dates a year. I've been busier than a one-armed paper hanger, as my old man would say. Gotcha. Uh but, yeah, I've got some thoughts on this whole Colts thing. Sure. I really wanted to tell you about something we're doing as well tonight at the Hi-Fi. But this Colts situation, you know, Taylor, incredibly talented, incredibly explosive. You've got Ballard, who may or may not have been, you know, some sort of a genius before we gave him the keys to the car. 
and then you've got Jimmy, who I have no serious problem with. I think the guy is, you know, kooky. He's a, he's a, he's an individual. He uh, he's not your average billionaire. Uh, maybe should, you know, I think what he's said and, and done is not like necessarily things that I disagree with. I think his delivery is poor and that makes it difficult for Ballard. That makes it difficult for all of us as fans to, you know, stay uh, calm and cool. Uh, and, but, you know, the guy's getting older. He's not trying to sit around and wait for us to win another Super Bowl. We should have had a couple, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I've been a season ticket holder since '05, and love this team. But you know, this uh, sort of middling organization that we've become over the last well, since Andrew Luck, you know, made his decision, um, it's it's put the Colts in a different sort of um, echelon of importance in my personal. Uh, life, well, know, and that's exactly what they want to stay away from. And, and, and part of the hope, Jay, I got to run here. Thanks for the call. It's good to hear from you again, too. Part of the hope that they have is that the quarterback will give you enough of those moments that I've talked about in the past that it's it's able to to get you a little bit of juice and energize you in a season that that more than likely is is going to to be another bad one with not a lot of wins. So that's part of it. And again, that's just part of of my thought is not so much about the wins and losses even. Not so much about, you know, competing, for example, for an AFC South title. It's more about making sure that you support the quarterback the best that you can. And, I mean, you guys can tell me right now, I know there's still roster mechanics going on, but, I mean, what kind of magic wand are you going to wave with roster mechanics over this offense right now where you feel it's going to be as supportive and as necessary as it is right now for Anthony Richardson? He also mentioned a small step back. Did Ballard mention the small step back this year, I believe, too? And there's something else where you could have countered that with, well, we won four games. Small step back from four games in the win column. Hey, you can say what you want. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's the start of the season. You're just too hard on Ballard all the time. No, there's not too hard on Ballard all the time. There is talking about things that need to be talked about. You know, there, there are times to be excited and to wave the flag as a fan of things that are going right. Then there are other times to question things. And unfortunately for this organization uh, in the short-term past and really going back longer term, but I'll just talk about in the short-term past, there are a lot of things to question. And he's the guy that you have to question. That's how it works. I mean, some of you comply and just take anything. You took anything last year. This is going to be great. Here comes Matt Ryan. It wasn't. Oh, here comes Jeff Saturday. This is going to work. It didn't. Some of you comply and take everything that's given to you, but we can't do that. And this year is hell, not anybody out there more than us. I can guarantee you this, even as non-rooting, non-cheering individuals that want to see something go down in terms of winning with this group or this organization, 
sooner rather than later more than we do. Because again, constant negativity, you guys peel away from it. I understand completely. You know, there's no better ratings or no more listenership given because we sit here and have to be critical of this team. It comes, and that comes with winning. That comes with success. That comes with you being proud of this team. Even if they reboot, rebuild, retool, tank, or whatever, we must discuss things that you guys believe that are important. And certainly these are among them. We'll continue to do that on the other side with you at 239-1070. Kevin Bowen, Robert Mays, podcast 1075thefan.com. Chris Ballard with the media last hour covering that and then some and a Harris Hoosier Park race of the day still to come. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Robert Mays earlier. The Chris Ballard press conference, too. Getting your thoughts on that. The Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. 50-50 betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. I will tell you this. As many of you believe, oh, you're negative, you hate Ballard. I, first of all, I don't hate anybody. Uh, hate's too strong of a word for me. There are people I dislike, and normally I dislike people that uh, – give me a great example of me. This is how I work. I am good with everybody until they show blankish behavior to me. Like, if you notice me in social media, I never, ever fire first. Now, I'll end it. I'll jump in and end it, but I don't fire first. And I give everybody a reasonable platform to say what they want, even if it's what I don't believe. So I don't hate anybody. And uh, I basically develop my opinion, uh, personally speaking, with people on how they treat me. And, you know, if if we don't get off to a good start and it's their fault, then it's probably not going to end well. That's just the way that I work. But I have many more friends than I certainly do. I don't even know if I have any enemies. Well, maybe two. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me rethink that. Maybe a couple. But Ballard's not one. When things start to go better and we don't have to have this constant soap opera and question marks, I'll be the first to tell you. Because as I've mentioned before, I want... This this winning to start for all of us. I kind of view myself as a really accurate gauge. I'm 53, but I don't know how many more years we got, you know, working and working together. So I want some fun stuff to happen, and it just hadn't been fun around here in a while. And I'm not going to tell you it's fun when it isn't. I'm not going to tell you it's great when it isn't. There's a reason why you never have to ask me or tell me that I'm telling you the truth because it's a foregone conclusion before I crack the mic here every day at three that you know that I am. So that's where we are. I'll be the first to tell you if things take the turn for the better. Be the first one to jump in. And if I'm wrong about this Taylor thing, then I'll tell you I'm wrong about this Taylor thing. Again, the overriding factor is just make sure you try to be as supportive as possible 
for a guy that does not have the credentials coming out of college like Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck would have been, you know, as as good, surprisingly good in his early, especially in year number one. I mean, Andrew Luck was going to be able to do Andrew Luck things, whether or not he had an accomplished running back or he had me. That's different. He's different than Richardson. There's a huge difference. All right, 239-1070. Line five is Mike. Mike, jump on the program. Good to hear from you. Hey, JMB. Mike. First-time caller. That's wonderful, Mike. Made my day. All right, listen. I got to be honest. I didn't listen to you when Query and Schultz were on the air. You you didn't or you didn't? I did not. Nah, man, that's good. You know what? It's funny. I've always mentioned this. When they were on the air and when, unfortunately, they got let go, it's bad for everybody. I want everybody to have options around here. I mean, I want yep. the more options, especially the more local, local options, the better. I mean, we're all better for that, too. It's no, good. I, I listen to them every day, but when they went off the air, I start listening to you, and I'm going, this guy is really good. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you to say, Mike. Thank you. All right. Well, first of all, I'm a diehard Bears fan married to a diehard Colts fan. The first year we were married was the year the Bears and Colts went to the Super Bowl. Okay. And it was so we weren't sure our marriage was strong enough that I had to go up to my kids on the north side and she stayed home. And... It was like, oh my gosh, you know, when uh, Dustin, when Dustin when get ran that back, it was like, oh my gosh. But you know what happened. But here's what I got to say about the uh, current situation. Okay. Honestly, I think um, I love Jonathan Taylor. I grew up in the era of Walter Payton with the Bears. And I know it's not the same now. I think some things have got screwed up, but I wish the Colts would keep them. Well, and and, and Mike, thank you for the kind words, too. I, I, I will stand by this until proven otherwise. I think among the options and support, especially offensively, that would be a part of this team going into this year with Anthony Richardson. Uh, he should be at the top of the list of really needing. Really needing. Hey, JMV, the JT situation definitely sucks, but I heard the four wins quote is we weren't very good until Jonathan Taylor or anyone else, for that matter, shows they are healthy and can lift the team up. We're not looking to pay anyone any more than currently owed. Yeah, kind of split split decision right now. That's cool, though. It doesn't bother me. That's just – that's exactly – it sounded to me like it was more of – and I'm not suggesting he meant to do it, but that's what it sounded like to more than just me, that, hey – but hey, I will also say this. This year is not last year. All right, strike last year from the record for a moment. This year is not last year. I would advise that if you're moving forward, again, that you need the most around Richardson as possible. And 
why you don't feel more of a significant need in terms of of Taylor is beyond me. That's the part I don't get. And you can like him and love him and money gets in the way and all that. And listen, Taylor's not, I'm not suggesting Taylor is without blame. Fine, blame Taylor. But this year's not last year. And you need him. You're going to find out how much they need him. All right, a healthy one, whatever. I just think that that would be a foregone conclusion. And I've I've offered up, you know, could you not help the situation out at all to make this more of an amicable back and forth here just to, to get him in a frame of mind where he's ready to go. Cause I just think it's necessary. Thank you. SPT. Uh, Rudy's up next. Hello, Rudy. How are you? Good. And yourself? I'm fantastic. Go ahead. I'm curious because I've been thinking about Naheem Hines this whole time and wondering how did we go from two court running backs to none did you, what do you think? Like Naheem Hines saw the writing on the wall and it's like, I'm not going anywhere in this team, and this team is not going anywhere. Well, yeah, I, Taylor did. I do. It was a combination of that. Uh, it was, you know, the feel that, and and you can look at this from both sides if you want to. You can look at it from the the Hines side of, you know, what th- this group is not going anywhere. Plus the fact that you know they, I'm not utilized in the way that I feel I should be. But you could also look at, you know what, how many times have they talked about entering a season, hey, we've got to find different ways to utilize Naheem Hines. When is it when does it become also the issue for the running back, or in this case Hines, as it is for the team or the offense or the coach? You know what I mean? So you can look at that a couple yeah. of different ways. But I think either way in this case, especially the direction in which they were going, you know, going ahead and, and sending him off um, it, it, while it stunk and I liked him a great deal, it, it probably made a lot of sense. At least last year it did. It just seems that, you know, we talk about Ballard being a great, you know, GM and all that, but it doesn't seem like we're managing our assets very well. Yeah. Well, this, as you can see right now, they are rebooting things. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. And you can see that he has, I believe, is having a philosophical change in how that he has built. I, I think the only reason that this is foreign to many, Rudy, honestly, is because after six years of such a low level of success, anybody in the NFL, rarely if ever, ever gets an opportunity at a seventh. Know what I mean? So this yeah. is new because you rarely get the opportunity to build in what you believe is the way to build a winning team, fail at that, and then get another shot to rebuild. This just doesn't happen in the NFL modern day. It doesn't happen, and I still wonder if this is it. Like, if Valor doesn't make a splash or something this year, is it time to move on? Now nah, he is uh, going to be – thank you for the call, Rudy. He will be here – he's going to have this year, next year, and he'll be here into year three. I will guarantee you that. He will be here until year number three. Again, like it, loathe it, lump it, whatever. He will be here until year number three. That's going to be the proving ground. And you may not like it, or you may love it, but that's the way that it's going to be. Quick break, we'll come back to Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day. More of you, more of me on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Mike Smith, the Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day winner. 50-50 betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park. Racing and casino in Anderson. Graceful charm of the winning horse. Paid nine sixty on a $2 bet. $2 exacto was $25.40. The 50-cent trifecta, $58.85. That's your Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day. Tuesday through Thursday, or check that, Tuesday through Friday, right here, where the winner gets 50-50 in betting and dining. Courtesy of Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino, it is in Anderson. All right, not a lot of time. Hopefully, I can get to a lot of you before we have to bail. I'm not sure that I will. We can get all of you back on again tomorrow, too, certainly if necessary. Doesn't sound like we will because there's the music. Uh, Here's something else. So, we've heard from Ballard. And I don't know at all if we got any clarity on the Taylor situation, but what we need to do now is to hear from Jonathan Taylor. That's what's next. Or should be what's next. I'm not suggesting it's going to be, but that should be next. At some point, and I don't really care how, but you just, you know, is it you know, the ankle thing here? What What is actually happening? Because Ballard mentioned the ankle and the four wins. All right, we'll dive back into this tomorrow. I see everybody on hold. I'll get you back tomorrow. Three until six tomorrow with Mike Chappell and more. Isaiah McKenzie, by the way, he's re-signed. And Jelani Woods, the tight end, going to injured reserve. Talk about all that and more tomorrow at three. James, thank you very much. Have a great night, everybody.